Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, ladies and gentlemen, wherever you might be. Welcome to the National Council's 30th Annual Arab-U.S. Policymakers Conference. A word about the National Council. We were established in 1983 as a non-governmental, uh, non-profit educational foundation based in Washington, D.C. However, we're not rooted uh, solely in the nation's capital, uh, but have branches, affiliates, and alumni and fellow participants in the council's programs, events, and activities throughout all 50 of the United States. So we're one at the same time, national, state, and local as a grassroots organization in pursuit of our vision and mission. Our vision is to place this Arab-US relationship on the best possible, firmest footing, uh, more so than it has ever been, more so than it is now, and more so than it is likely to become unless enough good people on both sides of the equation work to accomplish this objective or come as close to achieving it as humanly uh, possible. Uh, to this end, we have a range of approaches uh, to try to reach out to as many relevant American constituencies as possible. And uh, there are depictions of this that can be illustrated in the following slides. Uh, if you will uh, and visualize an organization such as the National Council pursuing its mission in the following ways. As you can see, we are the National Council on U.S. Arab Relations in Arabic. Uh, we have, uh, in this instance, the U.S before the Arab, uh, Arab alphabetical order, uh, because we want to stress that we are an American organization and looking at primarily for American needs, concerns, and interests, uh, but knowing that we can only do so not alone, but in partnership with those that are identically or similarly or complementarily aligned with what we seek to accomplish and to align our goals with those of our friends, our allies, and our strategic working partners. Here is a cardinal uh, tenet of the National Council's approach. Um, this is my 58th year <clears throat> of focusing on the region. Mind you, I'm an outsider, but I try to come as close to being an insider as is humanly uh, possible uh, with all of the uh, failures, shortcomings, and limitations that that would entail or imply for anybody from the outside. Uh, but just as I went to the region in 1963, 58 years ago, and it changed my life, and I was smitten with the culture, with the people, the society, the dynamics of the region's governments and their politics, uh, and how they impacted on the United States uh, themselves, the immediate region, and in Central uh, Asia, Europe, Africa, Latin America, and far Asia, I thought the same could happen to any number of other people. So we've reached out to as many uh, relevant public affairs constituencies as possible and organized them in delegations averaging, averaging around 12 participants to take them for up to two weeks in-country in uh, familiarization study visits. And for nearly all of these participants, it's been their first exposure ever to the Arab region. And in each and every case, without exception, it has shattered the uh, imprecise uh, disinformation stereotypes that are propounded and compounded uh, by the American media 
and uh, special interest groups in the United States. So here you see where we have taken them. In the beginning, uh, the focus was mainly on Egypt and Jordan and Tunisia, three countries that were more receptive and open to receiving study visits from American uh, leaders uh, than others. But eventually in the Arab East, you can see we caught up uh, and surpassed some of the uh, events and leadership programs that we've had in association with the Nile Valley countries, the Eastern Mediterranean uh, nations, as well as those in Arab North Africa. So you can do the math of 358 uh, times uh, 12 uh, per delegation that we have been doing since the founding of the National Council in 1983. Uh, next slide. Here is the evidence of our, our grassroots reach uh, throughout uh, the country from uh, ocean to ocean amongst the uh, educational component of the Arab-US relationship. And here we focus on those specializing in the arts, humanities, and social sciences, primarily those who are university professors, but those also in the secondary school and in public affairs interest groups like the World Affairs Councils of the United States and the Foreign Policy Association and other uh, federal, state, local uh, grassroots organizations that try to improve American knowledge and understanding and information, insight and analysis of the challenges and opportunities in the Arab-US relationship. You see the numbers broken down by states where they are at the grassroots level. Next slide. And these individuals are tasked with an enormous challenge of training, educating, uh, and providing leadership development opportunities for the coming generations of Americans who will manage the Arab-US relationship and helpfully, hopefully take it to a higher level of efficiency and mutuality of benefit and reciprocity of reward than is presently the case or is likely to become reality unless we prepare for it, unless we train for it, unless we educate for it, unless we provide better information, insight, knowledge, and understanding than those of us of an older generation uh, were prepared or ill-prepared to deal with these realities and challenges. And so what you see here is uh, a sampling of the thousands of uh, young Americans that we've reached out to and provided an empirical educational Arab-US relationship experience of one kind or another. Uh, we have a leadership development uh, conference that is in 20 plus cities across the United States that range from two to three days uh, where we uh, teach young people uh, to become effective uh, communicators or orally in terms of rapid, clear and effective communications, uh, good writers, clear, rapid and effective uh, communicators and editors too also of, uh, under atrocious deadlines, uh, in addition to training them uh, in parliamentary procedure, how to form coalitions in support of their policies and positions, and how to work collaboratively with others uh, rather than stand alone themselves uh, in order to achieve their, their laudable goals and objectives. Uh, um, the best of these students are rewarded or given a chance to, to take their preparation to a further level in the following ways. We take, uh, we've taken hundreds uh, to different countries in the Arab region uh, for anywhere from two weeks to one month and to, in certain cases, three months or longer. And we also have a summer 10 week 
uh, internship and punctuality study program with regard to uh, working with sister organizations that are aligned with what we seek to achieve. Where two nights a week at George Washington University, we have what we call a cerebral massage, where we bring in specialists who have devoted their adult careers to the furtherance of American relations and interests and needs and concerns and better analyses and policies and positions and actions and attitudes uh, towards the, the Arab region. You see here a, a group of youngsters in the lower left-hand column that we have taken uh, to the Department of State for a day of briefings there. Most of these have never been to the nation's capital. Few, if any, have been to a consulate or an embassy and almost none have been to the Department of State, which is the lead American governmental executive branch agency responsible for the overall Arab-US relationship. And you see that we bring the group in the middle on the hills of the Capitol steps. This is not the group that uh, January the 6th stormed the Capitol. These are young Americans who are as peaceful as can be and oriented uh, towards uh, mutually beneficial ties between the United States and the Arab world and recognizing that Congress has a role to play. And indeed, we have taken members of Congress and their staff, uh, congressional uh, chiefs of staff, defense and foreign policy advisors, legislative and communications affairs directors to the region, 225 all total. And they have opened their doors to uh, welcome these interns to come and, and have a bird's eye view of how Congress plays a role in the procedures of pursuing America's relationship with the Arab region. Uh, you see also uh, visits to one of the Arab uh, embassies uh, in the nation's capital where they get a first-hand briefing from that embassy's ambassadors and political councils and educational and cultural uh, attaches. And indeed, you see them also at George Washington University. In the lower right-hand column, a group for a picture showing uh, the average that we've been having of 25 uh, special interns in this program going back to 1986. So we're talking about high hundreds of individuals that we've taken for a 10-week focus on the one region of the planet where the United States has mobilized and deployed more forces and killed more Arabs, more Muslims, and generated more Arabophobia and Islamic phobia and anti-Americanism than any other uh, place on the planet. Uh, and lastly, up in the top left-hand corner, you see winners of what we call the Congressman Paul Finley Award. Uh, more about uh, him in just a moment. These are some of the sister organizations with which we work to place the interns where they work from nine to five, five days a week. Coat and tie, heels and hose, whatever the appropriate dress uh, is required. And they, they become part of that organization's team and they, they work as an equal uh, doing uh, intellectually challenged tasks and the ordinary administrative uh, logistical tasks that go with being an effective member of an organization that seeks to improve America's standing uh, in the Arab region. We do what we can on the follow-up side uh, to uh, keep this uh, interest and emphasis and engagement and participation going between and amongst leading uh, foreign affairs practitioners in the Arab region and the United States. In the left-hand column, you will see 
a number of the uh, outstanding Arab leaders, uh, almost all of whom are still engaged in uh, foreign policy making and problem solving and opinion formulation having to do with uh, the Arab regions, countries' relations with the United States. And in the right-hand column, you see the American leaders and elites and uh, policymakers and problem solvers and opinion formulators. Just look at that particular uh, column to see the outstanding Americans who have identified with what we seek to achieve. Former Secretary of Defense Chuck Hagel, current Secretary of Defense and Lord Austin, uh, Assistant Secretary of Defense uh, Carlin, uh, Kenneth McKenzie, uh, and, uh, and former uh, chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, Martin Dempsey, as well as, as uh, successive commanders of the United States uh, General Command, including Anthony uh, Zimmon, uh, Zinni, uh, John uh, Allen, uh, Robert Hawk Harwood, uh, and other distinguished uh, military security uh, diplomats. Next slide. Uh, and we tried to bring as many impressive speakers together for these uh, briefings. You see the former Right Honorable Tony Blair, previous Prime Minister of Great Britain, along with former uh, Saudi Arabian Foreign Minister and Ambassador to the United States, Adel uh, Jubera, along with uh, Prince Turkey El Faisal, participant in this conference, and uh, Adel Jubera and Abdul Latif El Zayani, Sheree Blair, Tony Zinni, and uh, other outstanding career diplomats and military professionals on the United States side. Here we are with our specific educational programs, uh, one for high school scholars, those in the 16 to 18 year range uh, who want to know more about the Arab world and to understand it better and to have information and insight that would be otherwise hard to uh, come by in their schools and their academic curricula. And that one is named after the late Malcolm Kerr, who was the uh, president of American University of Beirut, America's oldest longstanding uh, university uh, institution in the Arab region and named uh, the fellowship uh, at the academic level and professional level after Joseph J. Malone, a much revered uh, Arab historian and political science head of the Department of History at uh, uh, American University in Beirut. Both of these individuals strongly identified with what the National Council seeks to achieve, and we reciprocated by naming these two programs uh, after them. And then the Joe Alex Morris Journalism and Mass Communications Internship Program, where we've taken 55 aspiring journalists in the uh, radio, magazine, and broadcast media uh, for their first ever experience working with uh, a newspaper in one or more uh, Arab countries. Uh, and these we have recruited from the 88 American schools of journalism and mass communication. The Kerr Scholars Program, which was first identified and endorsed by uh, the late President Ronald Reagan and successively by George H.W. Bush and President uh, Bill Clinton, uh, 353 of these high school scholars we've taken to the Arab region for a month, but uh, hundreds more, if not thousands more, in the youth leadership development program that we have in the 24 cities across the United States and five Arab countries in Morocco, Lebanon, Egypt, 
into in Saudi Arabia. And the uh, Finley Fellowship Program, which is the newest one for outstanding participants in the 10-week summer uh, internship program focusing on Arabia and the Gulf. Because of the complexity of the region and the defense challenges in particular and the instability and insecurity that plagues numerous uh, sub-regions of the region, altogether about eight, eight or nine, but not more, of the uh, 22 Arab countries. But these eight or nine are the ones that provide the lens through which most Americans view the region and see it as a place that they do not necessarily want to uh, visit until there's a greater uh, reality of uh, peace and security and prospects for prosperity in the region. So the U.S. Central Command is tasked with uh, protecting uh, legitimate U.S. needs, concerns, and interests and objectives in alliance with our friends and our partners and our allies uh, committed to the same ends. So uh, the primary uh, participant in this program, the most prominent one, has been the Sultanate of Oman. Uh, but also Saudi Arabia, Yemen, the United Arab Emirates, and Egypt. And the leaders of the United States defense establishment do not come out of thin air, and not all of them from ROTC programs at all, but additionally, and especially uh, through the network of American Armed Services Institutions uh, at the undergraduate level for those who are cadets or midshipmen, uh, whose careers are bound to have them mobilized and deployed to one or more countries in the Arab region. I myself have been an escort uh, for some 20 of these uh, delegations uh, that have gone to Oman and the other countries and noted. And many of the uh, participants in the more recent years have been deployed to Iraq or Afghanistan three or four times. And none of them prior to uh, being associated with the National Council had exposure in any depth empirically to the culture and societal dynamics of these countries. Here's a dream that we have that has so far been elusive for fulfillment for reasons that should be more or less obvious uh, in terms of the countries of the region have other fish to fry or challenges on their plate. And that is to establish an Arab cultural institute in the center of the nation's capital. There isn't one, there never has been one. There badly needs to be one uh, for the proximity of the members of the US government, the media and the network of uh, lobby groups, special interest groups, uh, so-called agenda tanks versus uh, think tanks, uh, uh, public policy research institutions and the uh, visiting uh, public where the nation's capital receives upwards of 25 million visitors a year, but none of them have a chance to visit an Arab cultural institute that will focus not on politics, but on the multifaceted, multifold contributions that Arabs over time have made to uh, the world's other cultures and other civilizations. Here's where we get our funding from to make possible uh, what you have just seen and what we seek to accomplish. Uh, from contributions from the participants in our programs. We don't have members, we have participants in our activities, program fees, public foundations, chambers of commerce, corporations, and host country businesses, individuals, and educational institutions that provide in-kind 
assistance in terms of hosting those that we bring to the region for these leadership exposures and prominent uh, individuals who are charitably and philanthropically inclined. This is just to give you a bird's eye view of some of those uh, Fortune 100 companies, Fortune 500 companies uh, that have gone out uh, not on a limb, but they have identified with the legitimacy of what we seek to achieve and the credibility of our efforts thus far. And we invite you to join uh, these institutions, agencies, and individuals uh, to help us make possible what would otherwise be difficult uh, to achieve. So this is the end of that presentation, but I wanted you to have something in terms of the background, the context, and a perspective on this particular organization and why it exists and how it goes about seeking to improve the Arab-US relationship. Ladies and gentlemen, so this is an overview of uh, how the National Council uh, proceeds in pursuit of its vision and its educational uh, uh, mission. Uh, we cannot do this alone. We've no attempted to do so alone. We've been assisted and benefited from the beginning uh, by a masterful input and comment of a team of advisors consisting of our board of directors headed by John Pratt and six others. In addition to our international advisory board chaired on the American side by a former career diplomat and uh, ambassador Richard Murphy and on the Arab side uh, by His Royal Highness uh, Prince uh, Abdulaziz bin Talal, the president of the Arab Open University.